That's a, uh, that film clip, uh, we had to edit it for you. There's some funny things in that, and uh, not that we had anything bad out of it, just it's long, but it really illustrates, doesn't it? Some of the gyrations and some of the ridiculous things that some people think of as worship. We're in this series that uh, you have, uh, you've seen the cards back there, and we have it, Intentional Living. And uh, we are in our fifth installment of this, and we're talking about intentional, about worshiping God. And uh, this, is, this is very practical stuff. And as the film clip illustrated, we get some wrong views sometimes, sometimes because of our upbringing, sometimes because of certain things that we think, uh, sometimes... Just, we make them up ourselves. So what I wanted to do is just go through this and, and just give you some thoughts from the Bible that talk about this whole thing of worship. Maybe you have been brought up in a church where it was very formal. Maybe you haven't been brought up in any church where you know anything about this. Doesn't matter because we're gonna, we're gonna try to just show you what the Bible teaches in a very clear, concise manner. And for some of us, it may be learning something brand new. For some of us, we may have to unlearn something else before we go to the next step and learn something new. So just just hang in there with me on this because there's some uh, there's some really I think some very important formational type of things here. Okay, and um, let's just show you what we're doing. First of all, practical principles for understanding and participating in worship. And I want to take you to a passage in the Bible where Jesus is talking to a, what we call the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. And um, it, was, it was kind of a revolutionary concept, actually, when you start talking about that. I'll, we'll show you the verses in just a moment. Um, it was kind of a revolutionary concept, first of all, that Jesus would talk to this woman of Samaria. That wasn't something you do culturally and so forth. You didn't do that. And secondly, it was really a significant a significant thing that Jesus would even talk to a woman at that time. Um, that was just not, the only women you really talked to and engaged with were not necessarily women of good repute, if you catch my, my drift. And uh, so it was really a revolutionary concept, and sometimes we miss that. But I want to take you in because he's talking to her about worship, Jesus is. And we're just going to pick it up where he starts talking about that. And just follow along with me on the, uh, on the screen there. Jesus replied, and then in chapter 4, verse 23, it is, it is, he's talking about worship. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for, those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. So he's talking about this, this thing of worship, and it's, it's, it, he talks about it in one Bible, it says, in spirit and in truth. And um, let me show you a quote here. I'm going to quote one of our own. I'm going to, we're going to hear from him in a moment. But I, I think it's a great quote from Steve, Steve Young, our our. For lack of, he's worship leader, but he's also, he's officially the, our director of creative arts, and he's uh, consulted with and uh, um, many churches before he came here and so forth about these kind of issues. Let me show you a, a quote that Steve gave me that I thought was just really good. Um, worship is responding to all that God is with all that we are. I, I just think on that for a moment. That's just a good thoughty thing. Worship is responding to all that God is with all that we are. Notice in the definition, which I appreciated so much, is not about 
something that we just do at church. Do we do it at church? Hopefully we do. Hopefully we do that here. But hopefully it's not limited to that. And uh, let me... Let me jump into a couple of other things, and, and, and we're going to talk about misconceptions. I'm going to give you four thoughts. Before I do that, I want to talk about misconceptions about worship, because sometimes we get this all messed up. Okay, So four things, real quick. Let me just show them to you. Miscon- or, uh, several things about misconceptions about worship. First one is this, um, that we're doing, a God, we're doing God a favor. Now, we're going to come, and we're going to worship God, because that's what we should do, and, and we're, you know, that's, we should do that for God. I mean, that's, that's the least we can do. And that's not worship. I don't know what it is. It's garbage is what it is. Um, it's, or maybe we think that's simply singing to God. We think it's just, it's just singing to God. We go and we worship God, and the way we worship God is we're singing to God. Now, let me tell you, singing, or excuse me, worship may, not may, will involve singing, certainly. We're going to talk more about that in a moment. But if it's limited to that, you're really compartmentalizing your life in a way that you were never intended to do. Um, it can't be done without singing. Oh, I, I've already kind of addressed that. Oh, how about this one? We only do this in church. We only do this in church. Um, and, and maybe when we, we have to get cleaned up to do it in church. One of the reasons that I appreciate the casualness of what we do here at Renaissance in terms of how we dress Number one, can you imagine wearing a tie on a day like today? Gee whiz, we'd all be smelling each other. But um, it would be, sorry, that's a little crude. I'm sorry, every now and then, that's the old rich, that's not the new rich. Um, I mean, aside from just the logistics of, of being hot and, and ties are uncomfortable and a lot of you have to wear them every day during the week and so forth. But sometimes, and I'd be careful with this, but sometimes we, we feel like we've got to get all dressed up. There's this one thing, somebody somewhere years ago said this to me, and that is, because I've never been too big on, on you know, formal dress for church, and somebody says, shouldn't we put on our best clothes to come and worship God? And I'm like, well, what does that mean? We only worship God when we put on our best clothes? Whether we're talking about getting cleaned up on the outside, sometimes we think we got to get cleaned up on the inside. Okay, i got to make sure. And listen, there's certainly something to be said for preparing your heart for worshiping God, whether it be here or whether it be at home, and we're just praying or, or reading the Bible or whatever it might be. There's something to be said for that. But if we take this attitude that I have to get cleaned up so that I can come to God, be many times when m- many of us need to come to God and we won't be able to because we're dealing with some kind of internal stuff that we haven't, uh, haven't dealt with properly yet. So, is it only done in church? Of course not. Um, is it something we set aside time to do? Well, yeah, it is, but let's, again, let's don't limit it to that. Um, is it stoic? It's stoic and repetitious. You know, we can't feel anything, and we just do the same thing over and over and over again, and don't think too much about that. That's not worship. We're going we're gonna to look at a verse that deals with that in just a moment. Um, or the opposite of that is that we must feel our, our emotions deeply touched. Some people say, well, we've got to have our emotions touched. And uh, that's really, you've got to really feel God's presence. You've got to really feel close to God. Well, sometimes, frankly, you don't feel very close to God. What are you going to do then? Well, thank God he's still there. And thank God you can still go to him. Even sometimes when you feel like he's a million miles away. Uh, and the other thing is, many times it's just centered around guilt which goes almost back to the first one we talk about doing God a favor, that we just centered around guilt, and this is something i got to do because I sinned this week. And, I, you know, if, if we based our worship upon guilt and how much we sin, 
I mean, we'd be in worship services all 724, you know, because we always have to deal with certain issues here and there. So just some misconceptions, just to kind of get you thinking. I want to jump into these four, I think, relevant biblical truths that's going to help us understand this whole thing of worship better. So first thing is this, worship involves the heart. This may be the most important principle that I give you. And I will tell you this, the next three principles or thoughts are all going to are all going to come out of this particular one. Worship involves the heart. Great old preacher of a couple of centuries ago said this, unless, the, unless men see a beauty and delight in the worship of God, they will not do it willingly. Isn't that a true statement? Unless, unless men see a beauty and delight in the worship of God, they will not do it willingly. A lot of you don't want to go to church or don't want to go worship God because you've been beaten up with all kinds of garbage your life and you, and you can't quite figure out, oh, this isn't, it's not refreshing, it's not enjoyable, it's just something I do. Well, that's, that's, I'm sorry for that, that to happen. Let's try to think of this new and in a new way. Um, Harriet Ward Beecher put it, I love this quote, I never knew how to worship until I knew how to love. Because that's what it is. I never knew how to worship until I knew how to love. Let's go to the Bible. Just show you a couple of different places in the Bible. One verse that I use a lot. It's probably one of my, well, it is one of my life verses. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts those whose hearts, those whose hearts are fully committed to him. That's a, that's a thought. It's the heart. Another verse that I would go, I think, Isaiah, another Old Testament verse, Isaiah 29. You've heard me use this verse before if you've been here before. They're very regular. So the Lord says, he's talking about the people of God in the Old Testament. These people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away, and their worship of me amounts to nothing more than human laws learned by rote. And he says, I'm going to deal with them again because of that. It's not a good thing. So it's not just a matter of coming and and going through the motions. Don't you hate just going through the motions? I hate going through the motions in anything. I hate going through the motions of a marriage if it's not a heart, you know? your heart's not in it. And those times when you have with your wife or your husband, and sometimes you're just kind of gone through the most. That, that's not a good thing. Marriages get in trouble that way. Relationships get in trouble that way. You want, you, want, you want people's heart involved. And God is no different than that. He wants our hearts. And I'll tell you, he, he wants that more than anything else. Because if he has that, he's got you. Uh, it's being encouraged. It's being thoughtful about what you're doing. Worship involves the heart. It's not just a matter of going through the motions. Don't miss that. It's an important issue. It's an important point. That's the first thought. Worship involves the heart. We're going to come back to it. Second thought, worship is corporate. Now, that's what we're doing here. Worship is corporate. And um, a couple of verses real quick. Let me just show them to you. Um, from Again, from the Old Testament, Psalms. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest. The praises of Israel, the people of the Old Testament, the people of God in the Old Testament, Israel, praising God. He says, and that's, that's what that's about. Let me show you another one. Matthew, we'll go to the New Testament. Forward, and you've, maybe, maybe you've heard this if you've been around some of these things very often. Maybe you haven't. That's fine too. 
For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Sometimes in the early days of Renaissance, I've been grateful that it's two or three, you know. Um, I'm thankful that there's more than two or three of us. Um, but, you know, that's, that's all it takes. And it might be just you and someone, you know, sitting at your office or in a conference room or, or in your house talking and praying about, you know, that's church. That's worship. And so, it, it, but what we do here is corporate, and that's, it's, that's extremely important. I w- I'm going to get some help on this one. I'm going to do something a little different, okay? Uh, I'm going to get Steve, as I told you. Steve has done a lot of this type of thing in churches, particularly before he came here. So I got him to help. I got a couple questions for him, okay? He knows what they are. But, um, um, I got my notes. Yeah. And, and how long do you have? No, you let's told, see. Uh, yeah. what tell else? me, 30 minutes? Is 30 right? minutes. Did I say that? 30 minutes. <laughs> Y'all can stay, right? Yeah. <laughs> no. Let's talk about this. First thing is this. This is my first question. Um, I don't know if you ever thought about this or not. Why do we sing? You ever think about that? Why do we sing in church? I mean, it's. I mean, you just assume you're going to, right? So, Mr. Music Man, Director of Creative Arts, Worship Leader, why do we sing? I'm glad you asked that, Rick. <laughs> I just, just happen to have the answer right here. I think that singing... Um, First of all, I think singing engages the heart. And as we just learned that uh, worship is, is from the heart, it's, it needs to be heartfelt. And I think singing engages the heart, while often talking engages the head, if that makes sense. It's not always true, but that tends to be true. And I think throughout human history, we've used singing to, to give voice to our human experience. And that's been true for for. Thousands of years, and I think it always will be. In the Bible, there are some great examples of this. I just have a few of them up here. Uh, the Bible uses song to, first of all, celebrate. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Next one. Ask God for things. Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart that I may honor you. We ask God for things through our songs. Next thing. Give thanks. Uh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. By the way, I should have mentioned all of these come from the book of Psalms, which is essentially a book of songs. Um, some people think that Lennon or McCartney were maybe the most prolific songwriters in, in the world. I think King David was, and we have it all recorded here in, in the book of Psalms. The next one, to vent or complain. Do you ever think of that? We sing to vent or complain. Uh, I do that at home, don't I? When I complain, break into song. Um, <laughs> not really. <laughs> uh, how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Uh, we don't always think of, of things like that when we think of uh, the book of Psalms. Next one. How about a battle cry or patriotic or nationalistic kind of songs? As they dance, they sing, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And that particular passage goes on and Saul gets a little jealous that David has, they're singing about David killing tens of thousands and he's only thousands. And so then he probably broke into venting at at that point. Um, Next one. How about to express our love for God? O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Well, not much has changed in 2,000 years. We have a tendency to think that this only happens in the Bible. But you know what? It happens every day in our lives. We don't think about it that way. Not many of you sing at your meetings at at work or at at home all the time as as a group in an organized fashion like we do on Sunday. But we do sing. 
I'll give you some examples. We still use song to celebrate. How about birthdays? My son Brady's birthday party was yesterday, and we sang a song to him. Holidays, parties. What do we sing in New, Year, New Year's Eve? We always sing a song. Next one. How about to ask God for things? What did Janis Joplin say? Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? Popular song. I mean, a lot of years ago, but um, uh, we still ask God for things in song. Next one. We give thanks. There was a popular song called Thank You for Being a Friend. And there's countless other songs. I looked it up on the web last night, and there were literally hundreds of songs that begin with the, uh, that have the word thank you in them. Next one. To vent or complain. The entire genre of the blues is all about venting and complaining. I woke up this morning, and something bad happened. Next one. Battle cry or patriotism, nationalistic song. We sing the national anthem before every major sporting event and all sorts of other things. And the last one, we express our love for God, and that happens every Sunday at Renaissance. That's part of what we do. And hang on there, pal. Pardon? I said hang on there. Oh, okay. I got one more thing. Okay. You can stand there. Okay. I want to show you a quote from one of my favorite uh, characters in church history. His name is Athanasius. He was the bishop of Alexandria. And he wrote, we were made in the likeness of God, but in the course of time that image has been obscured, like a face on a very old portrait, dimmed with dust and dirt. When a portrait is spoiled, the only way to renew it is for the subject to come back to the studio and sit for the artist all over again. That is why Christ came, to make it possible for the divine image in man to be recreated. We were made in God's likeness, we are remade in the likeness of his Son. To bring about this recreation, Christ still comes to men and lives among them. In a special way, he comes to his church, his body, to show us what the image of God is really like. What a responsibility the church has to be Christ's body, showing him to those who are unwilling or unable to see him in providence or in creation. Through the word of God lived out in the body of Christ, they can come to the Father and themselves be made again in the likeness of God. And that's very much what we do when we sing. Next question. Um, and I'll tell you, this is great. It's so great to have Steve around because all of my life, 25-some years in ministry, styles of worship have been an issue, more so the last 15. Um, what about that? Give, me, give us a quick little rundown. Styles of worship, how do we do it? Which one's the right one? How does that all, how does all that work? Ours is the right one. And, 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 yeah, ours <laughs> is the right one, yeah. <laughs> Whatever we happen to be yeah. Um, most people, when they think of worship styles, think of one of two things. They think of musical styles. Is it uh, uh, traditional? Is it hymns, choirs, liturgy? Is it a band, praise songs, that sort of a thing? Uh, or they think about what they're supposed to do in worship. Do I stand? Do I kneel? Do I raise my hands? Do I fold my hands? Do I cross my arms? Do I scowl? Do I smile? That, that sort of a thing. And I think that's what most people think of when they think of, of worship styles. Um, Rich showed earlier John 4.23, which says, Yet a time is coming and has now come where the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. We worship in spirit from the heart. We worship in truth, in pursuit of truth. At Renaissance, our mission statement uh, reads in part, to explore and experience authentic faith in the real world. You see how that ties in? What a great mission statement we have. We want to explore and experience all that God is with all that we are. So which style is right? The one that's the most authentic, the one that's the most real, the one that comes from the heart. Um, 
I think that for certain groups, certain styles might fit better than others, but it's only, it all comes down to when it, what is authentic, what is real, what has integrity. And so for Renaissance, we've chosen uh, the particular style, the casualness, uh, which part of it is, has, I don't think you could be formal in this room, um, but part of the, our, the casual nature of what we do, the style of music of what we do, is all intentionally uh, planned to appeal to really the largest group of people in this area. Uh, we try and, and create an environment where people can worship from the heart and worship in the pursuit of truth. Great. Thanks. Um, that's, some, that's some good stuff. So worship is corporate, and I wanted you to deal with that. Now, I want to just, these last two thoughts I want to give you uh, before we um, get out of here and cool off a little bit. By the way, at the Opera House, we have air conditioning. It's a new thing. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we can, we can applaud that. So uh, our summers won't be quite so hot in the uh, very near future. So we're grateful for that. Okay, worship involves the heart. Worship is corporate. Third thing, worship is affected by relationships. Worship is affected by relationships. Let me show you. This is just a very quick point. But here, here it is. Our vertical relationship, excuse me, our vertical relationship is affected by our horizontal relationships with people. I want to show you just, there's a lot in the Bible about this. I'm going to show you two very simple passages. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. So if you're standing before the altar in the temple, this is in the, uh, New, this is the New Testament, but it's talking about the, the Jewish temple and so forth during the time of Jesus. And you're offering a sacrifice to God, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you. Leave your sacrifice there beside the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. In other words, God says, I put a priority on human relationships, and that does affect your relationship with God. It would be totally wrong, for instance, for you to come in here, for you to, to get off the phone and be just really just, just cussing somebody else, some business associate, and, or telling somebody, they're, don't even use any curse words, just tell them they're a bunch of idiots and they're stupid and, and so forth. And then you come in here, oh, let's sing and praise God. You know, we call that hypocrisy. Okay, and that's what he's talking about here. Let me show you another verse because this is going to be more personal. This is where I'm going to meddling, okay? Because this comes from First Peter, a whole... Seven verses in 1 Peter chapter 3 talk about marriage. Look at this one. This is to the husbands. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Honor to your wives. Treat her with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are. He's speaking only physiologically here because look at the next line. But she is your equal partner. Did you get that, guys? For any, any guys with a little chauvinism left over, your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Watch this. If you don't treat her as you should, your prayers will not be heard. Whoa, baby. That is heavy duty. Because that's telling me that if I dishonor my wife, and if I don't treat her good, and if I just say, you know, say whatever the heck I want to say and, and, and treat her in such a way, it's going to affect my walk or my relationship with God. And it does. Can't tell you how many times I've had to be studying for a message or a talk like I do here, or, or, or praying about something, and, and I have to call Charlene or go find her somewhere else in the house. Say, hey. by the way, honey, did I ever tell you lately you just married a jerk? Have I ever told you that lately? You know, I have to, that's kind of the 
and 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 forgive me for being just such a butthead. I can't believe I said that. Um, <clears throat> we didn't tape that, did we? Um, I had to do that. Why? Because I knew something was going on between me and God. I knew what it was. I knew that I had left some of this stuff unresolved. Now, just for the record, Romans gives us a great verse, be at peace with all men so far as it depends on you. When we come to worship God, we don't need to have any unresolved conflicts. That doesn't mean that we're always going to have... I mean, there are people in our lives, unfortunately, who don't want to resolve those conflicts. And you've got to deal with that as best you can and give that to God. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be great with everybody all the time because sometimes it's just life and we live in a fallen world with fallen people. And sometimes it's just people don't want to don't want to resolve their conflicts. But for me and, and mine, I'm going to do everything I can to see that it is. And if it's not, I'm going to commit it to God and them to God. So worship is affected by relationships. I don't know if you thought about that, but that whole little stereotype that we see sometimes of, of the family coming to church and, and the kids, you know, are going crazy and, and, and mom ah, 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 and dad's going, yeah, 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 and they're at each other and they jump out of the car and they walk into church. Hey, how you doing? God bless you. Everything's great. You know, don't do that. I mean, just for the record, for rena- our purposes here at Renaissance, I don't mind if you come in and say, man, I'll tell you what, I'm having a tough day. I started off on the wrong foot and we aren't doing too well. Be honest about it. Usually we can see it in your face anyway. I mean, you know, really? And so uh, just, just, but better than just being honest about it, be honest about it and then get it resolved. So worship is affected by relationships. Last thought that I want you to see. Worship involves the heart. Worship is corporate. Worship is affected by relationships. Worship is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Uh, couple of thoughts. First of all, Billy Graham said this, the highest form of worship, this is so good, is the worship of unselfish Christian service. The greatest form of praise is the sound of consecrated feet seeking out the lost and the helpless. You get the idea? It's a lifestyle. It's how you live. Romans 12, classic passage from the Bible that deals with this. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. That's worship. Presenting your body, your life to God. That's worship. That's what he's saying. Not just something you do from 9.30 to 10.30 on Sunday morning. And maybe even throw in a couple more if you go to a couple more in some churches. Um, Or some of you go some other places other times. That's not just that. But it's your life. He says, by the mercies of God, present your bodies, a living and holy sacrifice. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. It's not about what we do. It's it's who we are. It's how we live. And that's the issue here. Worship is a lifestyle. All right? Let Let me give you four... Kind of half review, half not. Take out food for thought here. Let's just go through these very briefly. And then, and then I'm going to get, get Steve and, and, and the guys and the ladies to come back up and just do a couple of real quick worship songs for us. Just, just to kind of practice what I preached, okay? But, but we'll take out food for thought. First one is this. And it's, it's almost repetitious. Make it a priority to worship with others that are like-minded. Make it a priority to worship with others that are like-minded. That's encouraging, it's enlightening, it's strengthening. Um, and if it's not encouraging and enlightening and strengthening, don't, don't be there. Don't be there. 
I have this opportunity from time to time, and usually it's from people from out of state or whatever, but this week I had the opportunity to talk to a guy, and he was just wanted to vent a little bit, and lives in the area, in the region, not, not real close by, but in the region, and we were talking about church, and he was telling about all the problems he had in church, and, and how the pastor, um, where he goes, um, isn't a very nice person, and can't speak very well, and can't lead very well, and um, I'm like, what am I missing here? But anyway, um, we went on and on and on. It just, it's just a real bad situation. And I finally said, you know, we're, we got through the end of lunch, and I said, what are you doing there? And he said, huh? I said, what are you doing there? He said, I'm going to change it. And I said, how many years have you been there? And it's, you know, 15 or 20, I don't know what it is. I said, and, and when are you going to change I said, if you're not like-minded, and it's not an encouraging place, and you're not ministered to, and you're not being able to minister... I said, get out of there. And I said, I kind of lied a little bit because I said this. This is a little confession time. I said, you know, I said, I'm not sure that Renaissance is the right church for you, but I know, which is really a lie because I really believe Renaissance is the right church for everybody. Okay. So, but I didn't say that. I just said, I'm not sure. And, and it may be a logistical, a geographical type thing. I said, I'm not sure that Renaissance is not, is the right church for you, but I'll tell you what's not the right church for you. And that's where you are right now. I said, you know, and, and you said, well, that's pretty bold. But listen, I, it's pretty simple, really, isn't it? If, if it's not, if it's not where I can be like-minded, and that's not just that we all believe the Bible, but like-minded in terms of our goals and our visions, our, our desire to walk in a relationship with God. And, and granted, inside of that, there sure, sure there'll be some. It doesn't mean we agree with each other on everything, but that we can have the ability to disagree in love and still just encourage one another through that, because iron sharpens iron. The Bible tells us. So that's the point here. When we talk, make it a priority to worship with others that are like-minded. Again, doesn't mean we agree on everything, but we're like-minded in our goals and our desire to serve and worship God Almighty. Second little take-out food for thought for you. Never separate worshiping God from day-to-day living. I mean, let me read something to you real quick. I didn't have this put down up on PowerPoint, but there's a passage in the Proverbs where this guy is out, and it's about an immoral woman. It could be an immoral man. But, um, and, but listen, he's, he says, I was looking out my window about a young man who lacked common sense, and he was crossing the street near a house of an immoral woman. He was strolling down the path by her house at twilight. The woman approached him, dressed seductively and sly of heart. She was the brash, rebellious type who never stays at home, and, and she's often seen on the streets and so forth. She threw her arms around him and kissed him and with a brazen look said, I've offered my sacrifices, just finished my vows, it's you I'm looking for uh, and I can find basically my husband's out of town, come on up and let's drink and so forth and so forth. Drink the, the, the fruits of whatever it is, immorality and so forth. She had, she had, here's the point. She makes a separation. I have, I have offered my sacrifices and finished my vows. I've done my religious thing. Now let's just go do it. That's not worship. That's a, that's living a, that's, that's hypocrisy. That's living in a dichotomy. That, that's just all kinds of things, none of which are good. Alright? So, never separate worshiping God from day to day living. Third thing, third little carry out here of take out food for you. True worship always, if I could have done this, I would have always, always, always engages the heart. Doesn't mean there won't be times when you feel away from, estranged from God, doesn't mean there won't be struggles. You'll have those. But true worship engages the heart. God, sometimes I pray this. God, I love you. And I want to worship you. I don't feel too good right now. 
and I'm feeling kind of distressed. I'm kind of depressed. I, I'm looking at a lot of things I shouldn't be looking at. But I, I love you, God, and I, want to, I just want to worship you. That's, that's still worship, engaging the heart. Last little takeout food for thought here. Live your life, and I, I really believe this. Live, live your life like you're, like you're in a worship service. I try to bring, you know, sometimes some of you think I might be a little too casual. And I, I try not to be the same. I try to be the same person here that I am out there. Now, and that, that sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's not so good because sometimes, sometimes I'll throw in a butthead or something like that. That's pretty much who I am. And, and you can say, well, you shouldn't be that way. Well, great. You pray for me, but I'm not going to be that way out there and not that way in here. Okay. I'm not going to, you know, try to, it's it just, I, I just think that's, that's, we're, we're, one of the, you know, authenticity. Authenticity and, and discovering and, and developing a relationship with God in the real world. That's, that's, what, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. And that's when we need to think about Live your life like you're in a worship service. You know, well, I wouldn't do this at church. You know, you always heard that thing. Um, I remember when I was raised in a, in a type of setting, and, and sometimes because, you know, I was like most boys, we'd take off running, and, and, and my mom would say, hey, 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 don't run in church. Don't run in church because, you know, this is God's house. Now, you know, we can, there are certainly inside voices and outside voices and there's decorum and all that, and I understand that. But the point is we need to be careful that we don't make a distinction. If it's wrong to run in church, then it's probably wrong to run in the auditorium at the Milburn Middle School also. It's the inside thing, you see. It's not because this is, we get into the opera house and certainly we want to take care of it and want to be a good steward of the, of the stuff and all that that we have there. But at the same time, it's still just an opera house in which some great things are going to happen because of what we're about, not because of the building. And sometimes we think we come together, you know, and there's some in a particular building and it takes on a certain amount of holiness. Don't, don't think that way. Live your life like you're in a worship service. I want to pray, and I'm going to ask uh, Steve and the band and singers to come on up, as I do. And we're just going to sing a couple of songs together. But let's just pray together. Lord... These, um, these are valuable, valuable truths that we need to um, just build into our lives. And it's hot, and some of us are kind of got a lot of things going on. But I just pray, Lord, for these moments we would just focus on that and focus on you and focus on what worship is to be in our lives. And I would ask you, for, Lord God, that we would just, uh, uh, for some of us, that's something that that's a, we, we understand that, and it's a continual quest as we seek to worship you. For some of us here, this visit, we have visitors and so forth, guests with us. This may be a new thing. I don't know. But, Lord, if it is, I pray that the Spirit of God would work in their life and work in our lives, each one of us, wherever we are. For some of us, it will mean right here, right now, saying, Lord, I, wanna, I want my life to be one of worship, and I want to I trust you. I want to trust Jesus first for coming and and going to the cross and suffering and dying and then, and then being raised on the third day to give me life, eternal life. I want to trust in you right here, right now. And you can do that right where you're sitting. Lord, for some of us, it's going to mean we've, we've trusted you, we've committed our lives to you, but we need to be reminded again that our lives need to be one of just worship, of how we live. They'll still be laughing and well, having a lot of fun and joking around and, and having a great time. But it's still one of, of being aware of the presence of God and, and living in a life that is a responding to all that you are with all that we are. And we thank you for that, Lord, and we commit this time to you now as we just spend a couple more minutes of worship with you.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.